Hey everyone, welcome to Neighbor Science, the only podcast about political economy and anime. We are here to tell everyone that replies to Bernie Sanders that taxes don't fund spending and to determine whether the anime with the demon slaying demon dog is better than the anime with the demon slaying demon sister. Uh, crucial. <laughs> uh, uh, today we're talking about uh, a, a little debate that has flared up uh, on the left, um, starting with an article from Doug Henwood, mm-hmm. uh, who... I don't have anything in the, in the notes about this, but uh, I, I read some stuff and some of the responses to it mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the the critique that he writes of MMT is extremely long and seemingly detailed. So it seems pretty convincing that he's coming from a place of good faith. Uh, but it turns out uh, he's kind of a, like the equivalent of like socially liberal, fiscally conservative, but gotcha, for socialists. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so... He's like a, I don't know, like a, a tax and spend liberal, but with class but, politics. With class politics. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Interesting. So, sort of, uh, okay, okay. Like, the, I guess like the class he cares about is the middle class or something like that. I don't know what, if, levels, what the fuck it is. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, so I don't know a whole ton about this guy, but uh, we'll, we'll get into it. So we all know about MMT by now, probably. Uh, if you don't, just keep listening and you'll pick up what it is because we're talking about a debate. Uh, about it so um the first question that anyone should have is why do we care about mmt um so mmt is a modern evolution of chartalism which is a theory of currency that centers the state as the issuer of currency to direct human activity Mm -hmm. rather than um i i can't remember the name of the theory you know the cute story of how you and your neighbor are swapping potatoes for eggs, but mm-hmm. your other neighbor won't sell you any of his weed because he thinks potato salad is only good at barbecues. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, you and your boy thought up this sick idea where you make discs out of gold that everyone will want because they look dope as fuck and they're hella exclusive, mm-hmm. which is, like, so genius that it changed history, dog, and now you're smoking top-shelf kush and top-shelf pussy. Metalism. That's, That's what it's called. called. Yeah, <laughs> metalism. Uh, so, anyway, uh, based on this conception of the origin of money... Um, people who buy into, uh, metalism conclude that governments have to collect money through, uh, taxation prior to, to spending it because they have mm-hmm. to raise revenue to spend it just like any person does. Right. Um, and this imagined problem then leads politicians to respond to every public spending proposal mm-hmm. with how do you pay for it? Right. Uh, and it limits possible government expenditures to what it can collect in taxes. Uh huh. So MMT reasserts the chartalist understanding of money, which is that states create uh, currency, which they uh, they create a money, which they issue as currency mm-hmm. uh, to start or stop human activity, and and just to differentiate, currency is the actual like token yep. that you spend, yep. and money is the denomination. Yeah. So a dollar is a money, mm-hmm. and a dollar bill is a currency. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Idea versus material, or system versus material. Yeah. 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 Um, and so they maintain the desirability of the currency through taxation and or through fiat, as mm-hmm. in like just force of law yep. Uh, with physical force ultimately serving as the backbone to either. Which fits really well with um, international relations theory about like that, that side of political science because it's much less kind of like uh, fretful about like a lot of the kind of more like um, maintaining the, the Newtonian model of the economy. Exactly. Like (laughs) in in IR, it's much more common to just be like, no, yeah. If you have an army, you're you're good to go. Like, <laughs> yeah. We don't care about prestige in the economics field, so this right, is what right. really happens. You're like, this is how this shit works, and let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so MMT um, 
updates the chartalist theory with uh, theories of central banking, how it works, and like lots of details on um, mm-hmm. the different operations that central banks mm-hmm. can and actually do. Um, uh, central banks, I think, are probably the most distinguishing feature of capitalist states yeah. from prior states. Um, I would say that the um, the point at which capitalism really started to dominate the planet was mm-hmm. the creation of the Bank of England. Pretty much. Yeah. Which, as we've mentioned on a previous episode, I'm pretty sure... Uh, was, I think it was the VOC or one of the other ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Bank of England was basically created to finance yep. uh, the world-class navy yep. that the British wanted to create. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, I think we should do an episode on that because... Specifically I on the Bank of England? Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to understand how it works because... Um, Supposedly, uh, it was created through ca- like the capital of people that initially lent the pound sterling to its creation, mm-hmm. rather than um, the government just saying like, "Yeah, now the Bank of England exists, and here's how much money it has." Right. There's like actually people who had like pound sterling, yeah, um, that supposedly like gave it the capital that it needed to start, but that could have been like there were capital requirements that they had in place in law or like mm-hmm, they imagine mm-hmm. that that's how it was supposed to work. Cause yeah. like, even if something works a certain way, if the people that are operating it don't believe that it works that way, yep. then it, they still do their actions based on that. Even if that's yeah. not how it's, it really works in reality. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the tricky thing about fiat is like you get into like constructivism or other similar yeah. sorts of things in like, in like cultural analysis and political analysis. And like you begin to understand um, if you didn't already suspect, you know, or understand that, like, you know, everything social is political and everything social and political is, like, m- kind of made up. Yeah. Beyond that kind of, again, that beyond that kind of material, you know, analysis and historical materialism that, like, we love so much on the left. Yeah. Right? Anything beyond that is that sort of ideological, that kind of superstructural or whatever else you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Like, and that includes, this is kind of what we're talking about, that's what MMT gets at, is like that includes the money and currency systems yeah. of the world. Um, and capitalism rests much of its power on that, and implicitly, therefore, on state and military power. Right. Right. So then the central bank and everything like that, even if the people, like you said, I think this is kind of what you're getting at, even if the people who are operating it, like pulling the levers and pushing mm-hmm. the buttons, yep. don't actually themselves believe that that works right. that way or that like it's Milton a Freeman. valid way of thinking. Yeah, yeah exactly. It doesn't fucking matter because there's guns somewhere. Yeah. 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 And um, so MMT asserts that uh, central banks are a tool of the government mm-hmm. rather than a totally independent entity uh, that the government would have to repay as if we would repay a bank that gives us a mortgage or something like that. Right. Um, and, uh, they also have another assertion, which I don't know if I agree with. I don't know enough Mm -hmm. to formulate a disagreement to Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. but they also assert that their theory does not apply at all, um, to, uh, states that have a reserve backed currency, like, like the gold with the gold standard. Interesting. So I don't know if I buy into that because... There's still seniorage yeah. on the money yeah. that they create, even if it's, like, a gold-based currency. And, like, even if you say, like, oh, yeah, uh, this this note is good for, like, this amount of gold, like, you don't necessarily have to have that amount of gold because how many fucking people are going to turn in their dollar bills for a, for gold, right. you know? Yeah. Especially, like, have you ever seen how, like, the size of a $50 gold coin? It's... It's, like, smaller than... Yeah. 
it's like, w- like a quarter of the size of a dime. It's like a button. Yeah, it's yeah, tiny. Like a tiny button. So yeah. How much fucking gold could a dollar be worth, you right, know? Right. And and that even <laughs> you get, addresses you get one grain. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That even touches on like um the fluidity of the value of um like currency notes and stuff uh-huh. versus what it's backed by because like again like in capitalism really even in not capitalist you know systems like you know when we talked in the Coco Doc episode about yep. the monies that they use there like the denominations and the notes that are attached to the denominations like really are very fluid mm-hmm. and like can context based and like, you know, your circumstances changed and this is where you get the phrase, you know, not for love or money. Yeah. Right. Where you're like, if, if shit is bad, like there's no fucking way out of it. Like right. even if you have like a thousand fucking dollars, which might've yesterday bought you, you know, a month of rent here or, you know, a hundred, no, 500 loaves of bread or whatever, yeah. you know, like then tomorrow that can't even get you a fucking passage out of the country. Yeah. You're right. You know, things like that. So like, you have to kind of remember that there's like, you know, there's the money, there's the currency and there's what it's backed by technically, whether it's like, um, a metal or and even if you say the military that, power, even if you say that something backs yeah. the currency, like, yeah. okay, so you, you get gold from your dollars. Yeah. yeah. All right. What do you do with that? Right. Yeah. Like, like, for the ancient world, nobody just, has scales precise enough to like measure gold in light enough amounts for right, you to do any is, sort of daily transactions. Yep, yep. And then like, uh, what are you gonna do? Fucking sell it for yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and actually, um, speaking of like ancient scales and like the the difficulty of measuring like um, metal backing and and like the quality of the metal you're using um, to to measure, uh, you know treasure or whatever the fuck you want to call it um currency etc you know that's where the the term eureka comes from if i mean oh, that was, people, I was people just don't that. use it much but like you know um eureka came from i believe it was archimedes who realized that you could measure yeah white people invented density right yeah 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 exactly measure density um by like i'm gonna dispute that water. history right now but yeah. <laughs> so i don't, you I don't up, know the i don't know the correct or the uh if if that's correct or not or what, but you know. yeah, you know you can measure density because it's the volume versus the like um, the weight, right? Massive mass over volume. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so supposedly mass. he was he was getting yeah. in the bath he's and he the noticed bath. that oh the water oh, rises, rises because I displace it because I have mass. Yeah. Yep. And so so um, he invented units of measurement, pure gold and, and mathematics, alloy, and uh, exactly yeah. right. And so, you know, so that's like a whole... It prevented currencies from being debased forever. <laughs> right, right. But it never f- happened after that. Right. <laughs> what's funny is, like, um, this actually is, like, even um, backing up to the idea of backing a currency or a money, um, whatever, um, with, like, a metal, you mm-hmm. know, typically, or with, you know, like, some other precious resource. Um, that is itself a somewhat spurious um way of thinking because a lot of the people who are like who are very insistent on like metalism and stuff mm-hmm. like the argument seems to be like oh but like that's real and you're like yeah nothing's real yeah nothing's real <laughs> right we just told you it's all constructed art is a lie Exa- nothing is real exactly exactly <laughs> bo barnum said it best you know and and so um you know it's funny though there's some of those guys that are yeah. also like really into tally sticks do you know about tally sticks <laughs> what so tally sticks are like uh it was a system of hands in debt oh, system okay. of currency in england i don't okay. even know if it was really currency because it was mm-hmm. more of a measure of debt it's like an iou thing yeah okay so like you so catalonia would have loved you take this. this this like special stick uh-huh. and then you like you like notch it with the amount 
that you owe the person, uh-huh, and then you uh-huh. split it, and then each person takes half of it. Oh, okay. And then like some like during the that. reckoning, you like, like put them personal... back together or something like uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. So it's like that way. That's not got... real. It's just a fucking stick. What are you talking yeah. about? Like, I, I think it's in a way. It's like it's like uh, a kind of a rustic way to um, have. Um, it's basically ledger based yeah. accounting right like yes. you're you're like mine my hash matches your hash yeah and we're good to go and if i try to put one on mine yeah that you owe me that then like i'll obviously be found out right, right? so it's like weird but it's archaic, still in a way it's a bearer it's note, archaic though. crypto because you yeah like all you need to have is the half of the stick to like have the claim on the debt right exactly so it's still yeah it's still like um i mean that is more of like an iou note yeah right that's like quote-unquote like primitively hashed yes. you know um, so it's interesting. Um, whereas, like, yeah, if you if you've got something that's like demonstrably like a state currency note, yeah, um, and they can't prove that it's not real, that or that it's not authorized, yeah. right? Um, and you know, key into that term, authorized, right? Authority, yeah. right? It's um, a good way to put it. Yeah, it's like you have to think about like if you think about. Everything that's quote unquote authorized, uh-huh. you know, whether it's like a currency note or a publication of, of other kinds, you know, like, um, and for that matter, things like copyright and that matter, things like patents, it's all the same class of thing in terms of its relation to the state, uh-huh. right? And that's, you, you know, what we should watch mm. and and talk about it on the podcast mm. to live and die in L.A. I haven't heard of that actually. Oh, it's a it's like an '80s movie mm-hmm. about um, the Secret Service chasing counterfeiters. Oh, interesting. Okay, it's yeah. very dark. My, oh, I my bet dad, it is. my yeah. dad showed it to me one time, and up. I was like, "I'm I, this is making me too depressed." Mm-hmm. So I like couldn't pay attention to it. But this right. is when I was like probably thirteen. Yeah, so I yeah. probably appreciate it more now. Like uh, like the movie Catch You Catch Me If You Can. Oh, that movie fucking rocks. Right, dude. and you're like it's so uh, good. Like it's depressing. That was one at the of my end, favorite movies. But then like he kind of came out away with it. Yeah, because like, he kind of sells out. But like you're like, well, you I was, do what I you was sad do. when he got caught. Yeah, and, like, had Forced by the FBI to work for them. Right. I bet there was a lot of people that were like. Yes, now he's working yeah, for the ha-ha. good guys. Right, yeah. It's like when <laughs> fuck C- you. Like the CIA catches like hackers and shit, and you're like, damn it, fuck. Yeah. Frank yeah. Abagnale did nothing wrong. Right, right. So yeah. He's so- gonna get milkshake ducked after this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we gotta we gotta get in this episode. We got yeah, a lot of stuff to cover. It. There's a ton of material. All right, so Doug Henwood's article is called MMT isn't helping. Um no, I'm just deleting Sorry. our quotes. My, Jeez. I've fat fingered <laughs> a couple keys. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, and this is kind of in media res. So while adherents strenuously profess that MMT is subtler and more complex than this, its main selling point is that governments need not tax or borrow in order to spend. They can just create money out of thin air. Mm-hmm. A few computer keystrokes and everyone gets health insurance, student debt disappears, and we can save the climate too without all that mm-hmm. messy class conflict. So, kind of like, uh, at first I was like, yeah, I guess, but then I was like, well, that's kind of a straw man, because they're just saying that's how you fund it. It's, I was just going to say that's a bit of a There's straw still man. a struggle yeah. to get There's still... to the point where you can even do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, this seems petty. Yeah. Um, so, he continues, uh, Warren Mosler, who runs a hedge fund, holds forth on MMT and writes big checks in support of the cause. Mosler, whom Galbraith has described as a national treasure, isn't afflicted with false modesty. He calls his blog the center of the universe, and on it quotes a description of his very slender book, Soft Currency Economics, as the most important book ever written. He lives in the U.S. Virgin Islands because it is a tax shelter with nice weather, a mm-hmm. point worth keeping in mind when we look more closely at MMTR's thoughts on taxation. Mm-hmm. So, like, as soon as I got to this point, um, 
Oh, well, first I'll say, uh, I, I think it's clear that proponents of a political theory, mm-hmm. if allowed to have public influence, will exert an influence that goes beyond whatever, like, limited part of their beliefs that I or other critics personally accept. So, like, even if all we say is, like, oh, I like your ideas on MMT, yeah. if they are put into a position of influence, yeah. their other ideas may get into right. the political movement and influence it. Right. There's a kind of stickiness um, with, like, your platform versus your other views i yeah. guess yeah um that can like pull other shit in that isn't really necessarily attached right or is that attached it's attached in your mind but other people might not even agree yeah right yeah um but i'm pretty sure i already know what the author is getting at with this which is basically that mmt will not further class struggle because its proponents will push back against taxation as a policy but i also think that Single-payer systems and job guarantees do mm-hmm. far more that to further the working class than almost any amount of taxation would. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sorry, one sec. I'm just making a... Yeah. And I, I also don't think uh, class struggle is inherently better depending on if there's like more resistant to it. What matters is the outcome for the class you're fighting for. Yes. So like the upper class would love it if we would just all stop fighting and right. asking for stuff and just let them enslave us in peace. Right. So if we can advance the interests of the working class with less resistance, I think that's better than having a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like last time we tried taxing the hell out of the rich, uh, they invented uh, libertarians. Right. As, as we know them now. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. punishment enough, I and think. That was, yeah. And that was the weird thing is like that's like basically the whole Koch brothers uh, project now is yeah. that like they, they're like they couldn't figure out. They like totally fumbled like electoralism and they couldn't figure it yeah. out, which is hilarious. Yeah. Because it's so fucking easy. Yeah. <laughs> you just but buy like, a bunch of candidates and then get them into office. What and are you doing? they're like, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, this is how we do it. And what if we fund know. this third party? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. So you, you had a comment on this, though. Oh, yeah. Right? And this is just like, this isn't in contradiction. This was kind of like me just kind of like riffing on how this kind of hits that snag that people typically get to with, um, well, if we can introduce better things in government you know better programs better policies you know reforms right then we'll have less resistance to gain ground etc etc you know we'll gain ground and then we'll have we'll have built some momentum we'll gain more ground and i actually i'm sympathetic to that right Mm -hmm. like and i would like to see that happen and i think that like we always have to be fighting for that regardless of our other ideas yeah um but it's like it's like such a double-edged sword as we know and this is just like one of those classic leftist arguments right where like we're all like ah about reformism it's better or worse you know yeah. and like and then people get in a big fucking bar fight about it because and to me like i'm a maximalist when it comes to strategy yeah. just like fucking run everything yes. right do this and do your other shit right? right do this and your wobblies and your fucking you know tanky shit and whatever whatever yeah. you've got in your pockets pull it out and use it right yeah so especially like because we we uh we don't just have a diversity of tactics that could possibly work and possibly work together in my opinion a lot and a lot more than maybe we've done but we also have a, a, an extreme diversity of people and talents right and experiences and those contribute more personally to what we're trying to achieve right because that to me is like um the like the grit mm-hmm. of the idea that we are the revolution mm-hmm. is that like we are diverse and everyone has a place everyone has a place yeah. right and like if you're a fucking tanky like as long as you're not like 
hosing trying to the murder wrong me. people exactly <laughs> then we're cool yeah and everything else is just golden and like we'll figure it out yeah right and maybe we'll have a synthesis later that like works for everybody yeah right even even if i come to own a business i promise yeah. that i'm a communist still right 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 <laughs> we're, we're doing we're, we're not trying to join the upper class this is subversive <laughs> business owning as opposed to right you know um and i know that and we'll actually get into that a little like bit later faces for that maybe but like you know whatever yeah so that was just kind of like that was my comment okay and the intent there um yeah. And so, of course, uh, even with this whole thing that he's going to get on about with uh, mm. MMT people resisting taxes, um, the people that are the person that's more most likely to put them into any sort of power, which mm. is Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. yep. has a bunch of large redistributive taxes that he's planning to levy on the rich. Right. So it's not like... <laughs> they're like this poison pill where it's like, oh, Bernie Sanders has Stephanie Kelton as his like economic right. advisor, so right. she's going to push back against these taxes. It's right. like, well, no, he already wants to do that though, and he's already yeah. been saying that. So yeah. like, yeah. pretty sure that he's going to do it yeah. if he can, you know. Yeah. Um, and if we think about like this, might be getting ahead of your notes because I haven't read every fucking thing that you wrote, which is like a lot, but like yeah. appropriate because it's a lot of stuff right. to cover. Um, but when you know in the MMT terms, um, like taxes, money destruction, right? Uh-huh. And so, um, in a sense, um, in a pool where it's not resources so much that are scarce, but the um, currency notes or currency value that is scarce because of false scarcity and because they're hoarding, um, then, like put in MMT terms. The, the destruction of rich people's money is advantageous because it weakens their hoarding yes. and it weakens everything else that they've built, right? Yeah. So even if, like, we don't necessarily spend the tax in optimal ways, uh-huh. we've still destroyed their money a little yes. bit, right? And so it's like, that is a weapon. Right. And even if you're just, like pointing in a dark room and spraying uh-huh. with that weapon you're gonna hit something yeah right? so yeah. that's kind of how i want to think about that in mmt terms yeah yeah and i think another thing I, i'm pretty sure i've mentioned it before like if we issue just like insane amounts of money yeah and basically helicopter drop it to everyone like yeah every, every poor everyone person gets a like a billion yeah. dollars yeah. It, like if, if we make everyone a billionaire yeah then like the billionaires wealth that they have squirreled away in yep. tax shelters yep. is like not worth nearly oh, as much. Oh yeah, they'll be shitting their pants. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like either or both ways would yeah. be great. Yeah. yeah. If you if and this is like this reminds me of our 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 Yang Bucks episode with uh-huh. Tien and um Jay um where it's like I think that he's kind of trying to do something like that for the working class and yeah. poor and everything, you know, and just just general people. The problem is that he's not, as far as I'm aware, he's not targeting the people who need that money. He's uh-huh. just gonna just spray it to everybody. Yes, and that doesn't really help. Right. right? So it's like if Yang Bucks was like everybody who makes under a hundred thousand dollars, which is most Americans, uh-huh. you know, uh, then yeah, that'd be fine. I would I would be into that. Yeah. Right. Um, because it would balance that shit out a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but the problem is that it's it's you know class unconscious, if you will, right? Yeah. It's class blind. Yes. Um, yeah. So go on. Sorry. Um, so the author continues, as Ray put it, he's talking about Randall Ray here, who's mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of the top MMT uh, advocates uh, and economists. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ray says the government does not need the public's money in order to spend rather the public needs the government's money in order to pay taxes 
Once this is understood, it becomes clear that neither taxes nor government bonds finance government spending. Mm. I should work on an impersonation of him because he has a very distinct voice and, and manner of speaking. <laughs> but uh, anyway, a YouTube channel, just impressions of economists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Henwood continues, uh, you might be wondering where income earned on the job fits into all this, but the world of production doesn't play a large role in the theory. Mm. So I, I don't think the author has read Debt by David Graeber mm. and doesn't understand that the, uh, the idea is that the process of issuing money and demanding taxes and creating proprietary right. institutions causes markets to emerge from government employees to taxpayers, mm-hmm. which is what drives production for the state. Mm-hmm. And that's where it fits in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of where we had a bit of an exchange in yes. the comments. And I said, you know, and they're proxies and agents. And you're like, yeah, but like, it's, it's tiresome to like, get into all the nuances yeah. of those relationships. And so my I, idea, I'm including like government agencies and yeah, everything like and employer employees, basically like the any, power center on down. Yeah. yeah and on out. Anyone who the yeah. state gives money directly to. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And this is where, like, um, I've mentioned this sort of idea or term before, um, but I do think that it kind of applies here as well, which is, like, the value chain or supply chain um, from the the power center, mm-hmm. like, downward and outward to people occupying all these other roles that they've basically kind of attached themselves to. Okay. Right? Through through power relations, through hierarchy, um, you know, and, and, you know, in the real world, in history, often it's because of colonial imperial enterprises yep. and other forms of domination and just, like, traditional domination as well, like the patriarchy. And so, like, we're all born into those situations, mm-hmm. you know, which is important to remember, like, that, that the state does as much uh, to affect your family and your family's relationships yeah. as, as it does to affect, like, the quote-unquote value of the dollar bill, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. it's all part of the same complex. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, as I'm reading this, I'm skipping over, like, huge sections because the article is sure. seriously, yeah, like, lot, probably, like, right? 20,000 yeah. words or some <laughs> yeah. shit like that. Yeah. It's, like, crazy long. Um, so I, I'm just highlighting parts that are kind mm-hmm. of interesting or w- worthy of comment. Mm-hmm. Um, so he continues here. Aside from... Knapp and Rumi, who are uh, they're two economists that um, are major influences on MMT. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from Knapp and Rumi, MMT is take... Rummel actually. Oh, Rummel, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Rumi's the poet. Rummel's the yeah. Economist. It's, it's hard to see. It's, okay. it's, it's okay. kind of far away. Yeah, Rummel. Um, MMTers take inspiration from the economist Abba Lerner, mm-hmm. particularly in his 1943 paper "Functional Finance and the Federal Debt." Mm. Which is neither outlandish nor right wing. So he's he was calling Knapp and Rummel right wingers, kind of. Gotcha. Or one of them. I don't remember. Mm. Um, it was written in the middle of World War II when fiscal prudence didn't merely take a back seat to the world, uh, war effort. It wasn't even in the vehicle. Mm. Because of the war experience, all of the old rules of bal- balanced budget fiscal orthodoxy seemed utterly antique, and the conviction grew that clever fiscal management could tame the business cycle and minimize unemployment. Okay. So. Um, when I read this, I, I thought about, like, the difference between policy during during and not during the war. So, like, before and after the war versus during the war. Right. Um, can be significantly explained by legitimacy. Oh, yeah. Um, so, during World War II, mm-hmm. the government had near-unlimited legitimacy because of the global existential right. threat of the Axis powers. Yep. They could tell you to do fucking anything. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Like, oh, the Nazis are coming. Exactly. Like, you're going to worry about the do? fucking deficit, yeah, you exactly. dickhead? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> what are you, a fucking Nazi yourself? Are you, are you not a patriot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, so once the war was over, uh, the legitimization for the extreme levels of government mm-hmm. spending and taxation kind of instantly vaporized. Mm-hmm. And so in the post-war era, um, they drummed up the more distant and ideologically distinct yep. threat of the Soviets mm-hmm. um, to form the core of legitimacy for most government spending at that point, yep. which was mostly on like secret military projects, uh, giving black people syphilis, right. uh, yep. dosing people with LSD to yep. mind control them, yep. uh, covering up aliens... Oh yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, killing Which, mil- millions of Vietnamese people to yeah. crush communism. Right, quote unquote, crush. that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. as the threat of the Soviets was reduced, as the Soviet Union uh, drifted towards collapse, I don't even know if collapse is right the, the right word, but mm. um, but anyway, neoliberalism emerged and right. legitimized the state on the basis basis of like mm-hmm. business and their leaders and like mm-hmm. what they what they did, like their mm-hmm. merits and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have today is. Everything is based on the merits of businessmen. Yep. And so the state is legitimate only insofar as like it's supported by big yeah. business. Right. Yep. Which we see like heavily now because oh, yeah. anytime you say like, oh, we need to do this, do it's blank. like, oh, well, then all what the about? businessmen are going to leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then what do you got? Like, yeah. well, we still have all the fucking guns yeah. and planes and tanks yeah, yeah. and mech suits yeah. and all that so, shit. So, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and now we have a, another global existential threat looming over our heads and uh that will form the basis of infinite legitimacy for the state to to issue as much money as it wants so anyone who says how are we going to pay for the green new deal uh should be kicked in the nuts repeatedly yep Yep. and we know they have nuts because they're definitely a guy (laughs) (laughs) pretty much right right yeah it's interesting because like um I, i wanted to like touch on two things which is like one um as you said once the war was over the legitimacy vanished um um, or just kind of like dried up, basically, um, and and you know, of course, most or all of our listeners are probably some stripe of anarchist or whatever, yeah, um, anti-state something, anti-cap, definitely. Um, but like that is a great example of um, why wars are so popular with yes. these capitalist powers, in particular, um, because the because of the relationship of conflict creating legitimacy so that they can manipulate money pretty much like ad hoc yeah by fiat really in your face Mm -hmm. right it gives them so much liberty to do so um whereas most of the time it's a bit of a cloak and daggers situation it's a bit of a charade right yeah um and then also like yeah in terms of like the soviet situation the way i understand it um is um it wasn't like you said, it was like, is it really a collapse? It sounded like, you know, it was like this, the Gorbachev era was coming out of like, they were experimenting with different things. They were trying to um, kind of open up like the different kind of cultural options and yeah. then nationalism, which is always a bit of a threat to um, like socialism, basically. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, you know, we're talking about like, you know, chauvinist nationalism, right? Yeah. You know, um, just kind of just like tore it apart from the inside uh-huh. because they allowed it to happen, yeah. you know? And that's a big fucking conversation that we shouldn't have right now. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Henwood continues, uh, for one thing, it often takes time to understand what's going on in the economy and mm-hmm. it takes even more time to change policy. And sometimes like in the 1970s, unemployment and inflation are both rising and it's not obvious what policy should do in response. And so he's, he's mentioning this in the context of like, uh, I think it was uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Lerner, 
mm-hmm. said like, oh yeah, like uh, all you got to do is like if uh, if inflation is rising, mm-hmm. then you raise taxes, right? And then if unemployment rises and you lower taxes or something like that mm-hmm. and so he's saying like oh it's not that easy which right. okay that's fair thing. that's true yeah. yeah um he says anyone who's watched congress struggle with tax and spending policy has to wonder how anyone could believe that fiscal policy could be fine-tuned with the requisite speed and precision so that sorry that line right there uh-huh. is missing the fucking point of congress right Right, like Congress doesn't struggle with this shit yeah. the way the, the way they present it as a yeah. struggle. They don't give a fuck about us, <laughs> right? Like ninety percent of them don't. Right, ten percent right? of them are just too like isolated and weak to do anything, um, or maybe even less than ten percent. But like, yeah, like they're not they're not struggling to make things easier for us. That's not their effort at all. They're struggling to come up with a deal that works for all of them. Yes, and they are part of the elite. Generally, and gets them yeah. both reelected and a nice cushy lobbying job yeah. when they leave yeah, exactly, office. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, like this, this fucking statement right here is not an insight at all. It's yeah. missing the fucking boat entirely, right? Right. Which is that Congress is a corrupt, you know, bureaucratic cabal. Yeah. You know that um, just like switches out faces and names for like. Just to please the people, yeah, you know, and and create more illusion, and and you know, and like to create some like more kind of like experiment with different relationships, basically, uh-huh. right? To like do one thing or another with business, so that like the different you know um, corporate interests can like jockey for different positions mm-hmm. and like do new things financially, right? But like, yeah, like <laughs> tax and spending, they don't really give a fuck as long as they're making more and more and more money because money is power and just that's it that's blanket you know yes so yeah so that's just missing the entire point um so later he starts talking about how mmtiers overestimate how easy it is to manipulate interest rates as well Mm -hmm. uh because if you don't make the interest rate on bonds high enough then no one will buy them which, of course, we covered in a previous episode. It actually doesn't matter. Yeah, most, gov- <laughs> most buyers of government bonds are buying them by government fiat, and yep. Japan has, for years, had negative yield bonds that are in high demand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's not really a good criticism. <laughs> um, and People he- will do what they believe is necessary or, or, or helpful, including like sabotaging their own wealth, if that's ideologically favorable to yeah. them, right? Or if it's, like, yeah. literally legally required yeah, for them to do it. Yeah, or if it's required, exactly, right, yeah, yeah. Um, like, I, well, I've had to fucking do it. You know, I, was, so. I was thinking about this on the drive over here. Mm-hmm. I think, like, probably 99% of reactionary tendency mm-hmm. on the left mm-hmm. with regards to public policy mm-hmm. comes from the idea that supply and demand governs that it actually economics. is what they say it rather is. Rather than yeah. bargaining power, which right. is what actually governs which economics. Is, yep, yep, it's relationships. Yeah. Yep. So, like, the whole idea is like, oh, yeah, if you, you know, raise the interest rates too high, then the demand for bonds goes down, so their mm-hmm. price has to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, dude. <laughs> uh, what? It's all about power. It doesn't, yeah. matter, it doesn't yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, matter yeah, what the yeah. interest rate is if you just mandate yeah. that they have to buy them. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so he says... Uh, Less privileged current uh, countries have to worry about foreign investors dumping their bonds and driving down the value of the currency. So capital flight is what he's talking about. Which would jack up interest rates and inflation. Salvador Allende's government greatly increased spending and raised the incomes of the poorest in Chile in the early 1970s. That worked nicely for a while, but then inflation took off. Allende wasn't operating from the MMT playbook. 
merely resorting to policies pursued by many progressive governments facing political opposition and resource constraints. So hmm. I, I pulled up a graph of inflation during the INA presidency. Um, I see you have it up there too. Yep. Um, so I guess I can link it in the show description, but basically, uh, it, this is <laughs> it actually measuring pretty clear. This is actually measuring real wages. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's inflation okay, yeah. in a way, but it's, it, it's tempered by the bargaining power of workers, yeah. um, to get higher wages. Yeah. Um, so from the beginning of the graph, 1967, to about 1971, uh, like uh, March 1971, which is a couple months into Allende's presidency, mm-hmm. uh, real wages are going way up. Mm-hmm. And then they start dropping uh, slowly at first, and then they just start to plummet. Mm-hmm. And so they go from, uh, the index starts at uh, 1970 at 100. And so at its peak, it's at about 118. And then by the end of Allende's presidency, it's down at, at like 32. Mm-hmm. Um, so 32% of what they would have been in 1970. But then as soon as his presidency ends, which they have like a, an orange line to, mm-hmm. to show, denote the end of his presidency, it immediately jumps back up to 72% within right. one quarter. Yeah. Like three months. So like... That's bonkers. What could have happened? Yeah. Like what conventional theory of inflation could possibly explain the shape mm-hmm. of this graph? We're mm-hmm. supposed to believe that real wages were plummeting for three straight quarters. Mm-hmm. And then magically rebounded the moment Pinochet replaced Allende. <laughs> and that this was merely because of incorrect economic policy. Because, like, too much money was chasing too few goods. Right, of course, right, that's right. how it always is. And um, <laughs> even though Pinochet didn't start Not, making yeah. uh, changes to the economy until 1975, when yeah. he got help from the American fascist economists at the Chicago School. Right. Yeah. So, like, inflation... Uh, plummeted back down and then stabilized mm-hmm. um and then around 1975 it starts it actually uh starts going down again um but if we base our understanding of inflation not on the amount of public spending versus the amount of goods that are in the economy whose real value the money is supposed to represent mm-hmm. um but rather on the degree of control over industry by business Mm-hmm. And the extractive demands they make of everyone to use the industry that they control through power, this graph makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Businesses raise prices as a punitive measure for challenging their authority over industry by the socialist administration, exactly up until the point where Allende was ousted. And then they're like, oh, well, everything's fine now. Now yep. we have a military dictator that's going right. to let us do whatever we want. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's the interesting thing is that is it's 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 when you look at it that way, it is so clear, you know, that yeah. like prices really are just relational tools. You know? Yeah. And yeah, businesses, I mean, you've got to be a fucking moron if you don't believe that business I would love to hear this guy addictive. try to explain this fucking yeah. graph, dude. Yeah. For yeah. real. Like, yeah. <laughs> go like, ahead. Like there is so much, there is so much, um, entertainment media mm-hmm. about like, so you you do like Wolf of Wall Street and like yeah. um, the Gordon Gecko movie and uh, Wall Street, right? And yeah. like all these other fucking things, just like Big less short. famous, one Big Short, yeah. And you see like those are just those are just popular narratives about what's quote unquote really going on uh-huh. in Wall Street, um, and that's just Wall Street, right? And like business owners generally, and like so many of us have had fucking bosses and continue to have bosses, and those people in 
in our lives, <laughs> unfortunately, and the people in the fucking stories, as lionized or as kind of glamorized as they are, they are vindictive, evil motherfuckers. Yeah. You know this, we all know this, it's like, it's so weird that people like walk around trying to deny it, but they are fucking evil assholes. Yeah. Of course they fucking increase prices to punish the government because they believe that they're at odds. That's with, fucking happening now in the country with healthcare. That's the fucking whole thing, <laughs> right? And when you look at the, you know, the discourse in, like, the states about, like, oh, well, you know, the, the, the government never does a good job and, like, oh, we gotta get <laughs> things away from the government. You're like, yeah, like, they're saying this because they're greedy motherfuckers and because they hate intervention in their ways of exploiting other people yeah right and it, it seems like that should be clear <laughs> but uh, there's just like disorganized thinking around this stuff yeah so yeah i don't like, trust the government to ration healthcare in such a way that <laughs> i will get the best healthcare while everyone else suffers and dies right right exactly right which is such a bizarre we let the government get involved they're gonna they're gonna stop it. that yeah. from happening and that's why it's bad right exactly and it, it really it just comes down to power and and yeah, and like prices are the one of the things that businesses can use as a form of backlash and manipulation. Uh-huh. So this to me is like a perfectly viable and reasonable explanation for what was going on there. It's not yeah. just a bunch of rational, just fun of kind of like cool headed, rationally calculating yeah. magic machine. Oh me, I'm just a businessman. I'm just doing what's just rational. Just little invisible like, no, wires attached you. to every yeah. little part of the economy. Right. Right. Like it's all tied people, together in a big Gordian knot. And, right. You know, oh no one God. can untangle it. It's impossible. Business people are always bragging to each other about how they fucked over somebody. You know what we can you do, know? though? Uh, use a guillotine to cut the knot. <laughs> yes, we can use that. <laughs> Just detach it all yes. from the fucking state. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> Henwood continues here. Oh, this God. Is, this is straight from oh, the last paragraph. Fucking God. But such experiments rarely end well, and similar problems would face a poor country trying to stimulate its way to prosperity today. As we see in Venezuela now. Just chewing noises. <laughs> um, so, uh, the last thing I'm going to have from this article in here is uh, maybe one of the strongest arguments that he makes, although I'm not, when, I, when I'm not knowledgeable enough to take on or like support or deny is mm-hmm. this. Um, he says Congress can pass any budget it chooses and our government already pays for everything by creating new money. Uh, oh, sorry. That's a quote. Uh, but the government doesn't do that. It only spends money gotten from tax revenues or bond sales. If you don't believe me, look at a daily treasury statement, a daily accounting of the federal government's income and outgo. It looks a lot like any normal financial statement, only with a lot more zeros. The Fed is forbidden by law to purchase bonds directly from the Treasury. The recent episode of quantitative easing designed to fight the Great Recession was a partial exception. The Fed did buy huge gobs of Treasury bonds in an effort to stimulate the economy. That program is now over. But even then, the Fed only bought existing securities from private holders. Uh, the government cannot spend via keystrokes money created out of thin air. Uh... So the last part is true. Um, QE was um, the central bank doing what's called open market operations where they buy a lot of existing treasury right. bonds. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that daily treasury statement thing. Cause I looked at it and it's just a balance sheet. So like it doesn't necessarily mean that like they're raising taxes and then spending it. And that's all they're able to do. The, no. Yeah. This is, that's, it's like, it's like, he's not, <sighs> <sighs> so it's like, he's not 
really like thinking about it's this guy is fucking gullible as shit is basically what I'm reading. Yeah. Like it's like he's like, well, you know, there's a treasury statement and that's just like money in, money out. And that's yeah. he's literally that's his argument for the first half of the paragraph. Right. And you're like, oh, okay, but again, money is a fucking construct. Yes. You can do fucking anything with it if you have enough power. Guess who has enough power? Governments, especially the US government. You know how many fucking nukes we have? They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Right? And after the recession, you know who went to jail? Basically nobody, at least for doing that shit. People who tried know? to stay in their people houses. Who tried to stay in their houses, <laughs> yeah. And people who tried to occupy fucking Zuccotti Park and shit. You know, like, yeah. what the fuck are you fucking talking about? Like, where, what? Okay. It, it, he is right about another thing, though. The Fed cannot technically buy uh, treasury bonds directly from the treasury. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is, um, that's a nice in the, that is in the 1913 yeah. Federal Reserve Act. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why it can't do that. <laughs> so the question is, like, do we need to change the law before we can fully do MMT shit or not? Either way, right. though, it's like, well, the outcome is the same. We want to get to a point where we can do this. Well, well exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's bizarre to me. Like, this is just like, this is just like, he's digging in his heels and, and repeating, like, you know, you know how when people don't have an argument and they just like, that's the way it is, that's the way it is, that's yes. the way it is. And you're like... I'm intimately familiar with this. Yes. Yeah, talking we, about any of this shit. We've all into this bullshit. <laughs> exactly, right. And so you're like... It's, it's, it's like if you're talking, let's say, to like a traditional husband, right? Yeah. In a fucking traditional family. And you're like, well, you know, um, what if... Uh, you know, you grow your turnips and then right, right. You, know, you pull the turnips out and then you have to give some to the Lord and... Right, exactly. Well, exactly. Oh, wait, where are we going yeah. with it? Oh. You know, that's, that's where it starts, right? <laughs> um, and, you're, and you're like, you know, um, I bet your, your wife, your trad wife, would, uh, would love to be able to vote. And they're like, oh, that, she doesn't need to vote. I'll vote for her, you know? Yeah. And you're like, but what if she had an opinion that was different from yours? And they're like, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, I'm wise enough for the whole household. And you're like, uh, okay, but like this is an individual with a human mind and everything like that. And they're like, well, yeah, but like also like I, you know, and they just like repeat the circular argument. They're like, well, you know, like I have the authority over the household and therefore that's, that's the end of the conversation. You know, it's yeah. like, that's what this guy's doing with the fucking money and balance argument. Yeah. Like just, just asserting what just is asserting as what if is. that's what always will be. Right. And yeah. also like what is, isn't always what is it's a fucking, it could be just a fucking ruse. Yeah. It could be that they, and this is what fucking people do in finance, in accounting, in economics, and in many other fields and industries. Publish a spurious report that yeah. doesn't really reflect what's going on. Yeah. If you fucking believe the report and you don't investigate what's really going on, mm-hmm. then, like, the shit that comes to you is on you. Yeah. Right? And, like, yeah, it's hard for all of us to get together or do this separately and just, like, investigate what's really going on. Mm -hmm. But when there's people living and dying in the streets and there's people getting blown up in other countries and in our own countries and fucking schools getting shot up, Mm -hmm. right, and the military's not doing fucking shit all about saving anybody, right, that to me is fucking evidence. Right. Right? Like, the balance sheet is an expression of a myth and you're buying into the myth like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the other thing is, like, if we accept, okay, sure, like, uh, you know, the, the government is actually uh, collecting mm-hmm. taxes and yep. then uh, basing their budget on that and spending it. Like, right. okay, so where does the deficit come from? Right, yeah. Does it come from, like, being lent money? So who's <laughs> lending us the money? Yeah. Is it the Federal yeah. Reserve? Because right. the Federal Reserve is an organ of the state. Yeah. yeah. So we can just, like, do whatever we want with it, essentially. Yeah, pretty much, exactly, exactly. You could just say... All of the debt doesn't matter anymore. Right. Yeah. Write yeah. that into law. You could literally do or that. Or we could do what 
uh, now canceled mm-hmm. uh, former Congressman uh, Gerald Connolly mm-hmm. uh, proposed. Mm-hmm. He actually submitted a bill for this, which is create a new currency called U.S. money mm. that is issued directly by the Treasury. Mm-hmm. And Federal Reserve notes are invalid now. Right, right. He actually proposed that like uh, like four years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> which I saw that and I was like, damn, this guy's awesome. And then like, <laughs> like maybe two months later, that whole thing came out. Like, I think he like raped someone or sexually assaulted some people or something like that but anyway yeah um so yeah that's that's the critical article so there was uh several responses from mmt people so i'm gonna start uh and put them in any particular order Mm -hmm. um so i'm gonna start with mmt is already helping (laughs) this is uh pavlina cherneva's response um and she does not take the op remotely seriously uh, she sort of addresses some things. Uh, she characterizes a lot of the article as being uh, guilt by association, which I don't think is like totally true. I guess it kind of is. He's like saying like these are their influences and they have like these right wing tendencies mm-hmm. and you know some of the uh, major uh, thinkers in MMT have some weird right wing opinions and right. this and that. Um, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the article attacks their inability to contend with uh, important fronts of attack on the MMT project, like uh, Randall Ray's uh, supposedly poor explanation of uh, Weimar Germany, mm-hmm. uh, or the lack of a real theory of inflation, which like Henwood does not propose a better theory of inflation, <laughs> so not really a good argument. Right. Um, but like, uh, rather than like decrying that as guilt by association, why don't you just say like they may have supported those things, but I don't. Hmm. Hmm. It's that's like a really weird thing to me. I never understood like crying about guilt by association. Like, I mean, sometimes I guess it. Like for like Louis Farrakhan, right? Like I I totally see that, right? Uh, but if it's like, oh yeah, uh, you're influenced by this guy who thinks that like welfare is bad. It's like, well, I think right. welfare is good. Right. So end of argument. Right. right. <laughs> um. <laughs> But anyway, uh, there is uh, one good counterpoint uh, to a decent point in Henwood's article, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'll read here. Um, She says, Henwood wants to wage class struggle via fiscal policy Mm -hmm. and specifically tax policy. Worse, he wants to expropriate the wealth of the rich by making it more digestible for them. Uh, He says that rich people would have a, a lot harder time complaining about their money being taken to educate kids and save the planet than if it were taken because they were too rich. Which, yeah. okay, I can see that. Sure. Right. right. Yeah, make them, make them explain why they don't want to give up their money to fund schools and mm-hmm. fight climate change. Yeah. Um, but she says it sounds very much like, uh, sorry to take your money, uh, but we really, really need it. Don't you agree? What a class war. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another good point. <laughs> I can see that too. Yeah. Uh, Henwood does not acknowledge that one of the most effective ways of engaging in this struggle is to render the wealthy obsolete, as in, we will stop pretending that we need them to pay for the good of society. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a world where, or, sorry, in a world with a sovereign currency and modern mon- uh, monetary and fiscal institutions, uh, we never really did, and we sure don't now. And the public needs to know it. That's the MMT message. Mm. Um, I think that's a good message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could, I could see... Both sides, I, I think I'm leaning more towards Pavlina. Mm. Um, just do shit. It doesn't matter. 
Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, uh, just do shit, basically. And, yeah. And, um, and see what comes of it, right? Yeah. Like people, people will align. We can take their money when we throw them in jail for all the crimes they did. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, in <laughs> fact, we can just throw them in jail and um, in the same act, you know, yeah, we could, I mean, we could take their money or we could just erase it. Either yeah. way, you know, cool. Yeah. Um, fuck them, basically. Yep. Yeah. On that note, let's take a break. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> So, yeah, I think well, I guess in DC, has. there's plenty of like little rich fucking kids running around. So yeah, I don't know like how great my credit score is because I definitely like uh, like after my last move, mm. I got I started getting calls from collectors, uh, and like some of them were like just total bullshit. Sure, yeah. But it's like you know it might be on my record. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I would say like just like check it. Um, yeah, you can go on like like I said like Credit Karma or something. Yeah, it's like pretty easy to link it up. I need to make a list of shit I need to do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very disorganized, so. Uh, yeah, it's a problem at work, too. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at it. Yeah. All right, yeah. so it's, we're back. We're back. Um, so the next article is uh, by Randall Ray, and it's called uh, Response to Doug Henwood's Trolling in Jacobin. Oh, it's a good article title. I like <laughs> yeah. That. yeah. It's very poetic. Um, so the first thing uh, that I have here is uh, Ray clarifies his view on Weimar Germany. So he says, Henwood adopts the monetarist explanation that too much money causes inflation. He confuses causation and correlation. Severe supply constraints can push up prices, increasing the amount of money that needs to be created both publicly and privately to finance purchases. Tax revenues fall behind spending, so a deficit opens up as, a, as spending tries to keep pace with inflation. The money stock is a residual, and it will grow rapidly with hy- hyperinflation. That does not mean it is the cause. Mitchell, uh, Bill Mitchell, who's a, mm. uh, international, uh, international, he's a non-American MMT person, um, has closely examined the hyperinflation cases from the MMT perspective. The argument is not at all odd, and it has the advantage that it is fact-based, unlike Henwood's monetarist linking of money and inflation that has been so thoroughly discredited that even central bankers have dropped it. <laughs> um, and there's, there's an article I'll link in the, in the show description. The title is... Um, Rapid increases in money supply uh, do not lead to inflation. Um, it's from... Another um, gripping title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's from uh, Institute for New Economic Thinking. Oh, and yeah. they basically did a study of like every case of uh, mm-hmm. rapid spending or inflationary episodes. I can't remember. It's one or the other. But basically they found that mm-hmm. most of the time inflation and government spending or uh, rapid increases in money supply or balance sheets or interest rates don't correlate with inflation. Right. So there's no real case for government spending causing inflation. Right. Right. Um, But, uh, yeah, so continuing with Ray's article, uh, his, I I think his response to countries being forced to take on loans and unable to buy anything they want in their own currency is is lacking. Uh, He says... Henwood does not understand foreign exchange markets. Anyone, including Henwood, can exchange Turkish lira for either dollars or euros in foreign exchange markets, including at airport counters around the world. Turkey can exchange lira for dollars to pay for imports of capital. Mm. Might that affect exchange rates? Possibly. That is why floating the currency is important. Um, He doesn't really explain why floating the currency addresses the problem. Um, nor does he contend with the fact that someone has to buy your currency for you to be able to sell it. Right. 
This is like that H Bomber guy video that's been going around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? So let's say, let's say for the sake of argument, that all of the water levels around the world rise by, by let's say, five feet over the next hundred years, say 10 feet by the next hundred years, and it puts all the low-lying areas on the coast underwater, right? Which, let's say all of that happens. You think that people aren't going to just sell their homes and move? Just one small problem. Sell their houses to who, Ben? Fucking Aquaman! <laughs> it's an excellent question. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So that's all I pulled out from Ray's article. The next one is just called Modern Monetary Theory, parentheses MMT. Right. Um, so this is like the rookie all-star response. <laughs> so it has all, all the young bloods of MMT uh, uh, co-authoring this, uh, featuring Nathan Tankus, uh, Raul Carrillo, mm-hmm. God, I'm so bad at pronouncing Spanish. Uh, Raul, Raul Carrillo. There you go. Uh, Rohan Gray, mm-hmm. Scott Ferguson, and and Raul Carrillo. <laughs> nice. Uh, this is what he happens just, when I write got, notes. He just waded into it. <laughs> yeah, he he really contributed he to this shit. <laughs> uh, so some some interesting bits from this. Um, Kalecki contends that popularization of the doctrine of full employment destroys the capitalist's knee-jerk arguments regarding budgetary crisis and inflation. What remains is the power struggle we all agree we must fight. As economist J.W. Mason once wrote, the central bank interest rate policy is meant for, quote, keeping us all insecure and dependent on the goodwill of the owning class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later they say, uh, two decades earlier at the end of the Clinton administration, leaders in D.C. panicked that continued federal government surpluses would lead to a dearth of U.S. Treasury bonds for the investor class. So they proposed a solution used by Singapore today, issuing treasury securities to directly purchase private assets. Although this is hardly a radical policy, it would have uh, been an insufficient response for the United States for reasons MMT illuminates. Because Singapore runs trade surpluses, it can afford to run government budget surpluses and simply adopt alternative policies to serve investors. By contrast, Washington was running trade deficits, so its government surpluses were creating actually unsustainable deficits in the private sector. Now, I don't really understand that well enough to comment much on it, but I think it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hopefully, some of our listeners are really into deficit talk. Yes. Yeah. I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, and one of Henwood's uh, critiques through his whole article was that MMT people are, are uh, vague about their actual politics. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, in this article, they're actually very clear Uh, They say, the bottom line is we are not going to dismantle financial capitalism through austerity. Hmm. Instead, we must deconstruct the private financial markets and Uh institutions Uh bolstered by a complex web of financial assets and liabilities Uh of owning and owing. Uh Uh Selling treasury securities is not tantamount to placing the U.S. state in the thrall of the investor class. Persistent deficit spending is not a, quote, few steps down the road to Weimar, as Henwood contends. Hmm. If we truly want to end the wealthy's free lunch... I like that. Yeah. Uh, the answer is not austerity or shutter sound finance. Mm-hmm. It's euthanizing the rentiers. It's lowering <laughs> treasury bond interest yes. rates and pursuing a permanent <laughs> zero, rate, <laughs> zero interest rate policy. Uh-huh. One would expect a Marxist to understand how this policy prescription threatens the status quo. Yes. 
When it comes to the politics of taxation, though, Henwood's position is hardly Marxist at all. A sympathetic reader may have expected a leftist perspective on public finance, distinct from both MMT and the mainstream, but they would be disappointed. Instead, we receive this confession, Mm -hmm. and they have a quote from Doug Henwood that says, I'm a sound finance socialist. That's the whole tweet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Henwood's antipathy... Come on, man. (laughs) Henry's antipathy toward uh, deficit spending is not merely at odds with MMT, but also, oh, sorry, is not merely at odds with MMT, but also most Keynesians and Marxist economists as well. For Henwood, the left's role is to merely uh, argue extra hard for corporations and the wealthy to pay their fair share of taxes. Mm-hmm. This amounts to a more boisterous version of Hillary Clinton's politics. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I have a I have another uh, thing here. Mm-hmm. In her excellent recent book, Racial Taxation, legal historian Camille Walsh traces the development of the development of taxpayer citizenship in response to the manda- mandated integration of public schools. She specifically argues that the Supreme Court rejected the idea of a fundamental federal right to education precisely because of the countervailing burden it would place on the implicit rights of taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And so taxpayers obviously just means white people. Yeah, and I think in most political discourse, it it's a dog does. whistle for white people. Yeah, same yeah. with middle class. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, taxpayers. Yeah, because the people that pay most of the taxes are white people because of their and affluence. The, yeah, and yep. then most of the people in the middle class are white people. Yep, yep. The what's left of the middle class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was also an article uh, that they have in there uh, that they just linked to. Uh, but uh, I want to I want to cover it more later because it's very interesting. I didn't get to read much of it because I was trying to get the rest of this done. Mm. But uh, it's it was by Randall Ray and uh, Alia Semenova, and it's called "The Rise of Money in Class Society." Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, 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 yeah, he cited it as a response to the charge that MMTers have not investigated the relation between MMT and class society. Uh, and it basically contains much of the same narrative as what I've thought for the last year or so, which is basically Mm -hmm. that uh, currency and religion both arose to create or at least maintain and expand class society. Mm -hmm. Um, And they they take it all the way back to the ancient world. I would love to read that. Yeah. For that reason. Yeah. So I have it it linked in the show notes. Yeah. Or, yeah, in the show notes. So Mm -hmm. um, if you're interested, Mm -hmm. check it out. Yeah. Um, so that's all I really pulled from that article. Um, so I have some questions that I wrote for us to answer. Um, the first one is, um, just the basic MMT, one of the basic MMT assertions, uh, which is, uh, can governments always pay debts issued in their own currency? Um, so I, I think, yes, they can. Uh, mainstream economists think that uh, something bad will happen <laughs> if countries attempt to do this, mm-hmm. either the first time they try or mm-hmm. after subsequent times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they interpret this question in their head as, can the government issue infinity dollars and pay back infinity plus 10% dollars under any circumstance? <laughs> um, but let's flip it around. Why would the government give why would anyone give the government money on the promise of repayment if it weren't guaranteed to get it back right the only way that could happen is if the state failed exactly exactly um, that's a great way to put it yeah so like if the government like issues debt uh they will always be able to pay back that debt cuz all they have to do is issue dollars to pay it back 
Right. And you could argue, and like mainstream economists do argue this, mm-hmm. that sure they could do that, but if they try to get uh, if they try to sell bonds after that, then people are going to be less willing to take them because they just created false money or whatever, like right, 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 you know, right, fictitious right. money, whatever yeah. the fuck you want to call it, yeah, um, to pay back the the bonds. Yep. And so it'll make it less desirable. But I don't think there's really any good reason to believe that, other yeah. than supply and demand. <laughs> right, right. Well, so this is one of the uh, this is another interesting uh, aspect of how like international relations, like political theories, like tend if mm-hmm. not always succeed or or tend very strongly but like at least what i learned is like they they tend to be a little more realistic about you know the facts of things like state power sorry um, in, you know, that's right <laughs> just gotta have it you know um just gotta take that hit uh <laughs> <laughs> um in this case so you say you know why would anyone give the government money on the promise of repayment if it weren't guaranteed to get it back and the only way that that could happen is if the state failed. That yep. applies to interstate relations as well, international relations, right? And this yep. is how we see like debt uh, colonialism or whatever the term properly is in academia. Yeah. But basically, the you know the transformation of traditional colonial bonds through like military occupation and administration um, through to like financial obligation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how this works. Is that um, and this fleshes out this. It, there's a feedback analysis, like like if you kind of bounce from an from from one paradigm to another, then you start to f- be able to f- to understand that this is like the businesses and government mm-hmm. are not that different. Yeah, right. So you're like, why would any business say give the government money if they weren't guaranteed to get that money back? Mm-hmm. Right the state is required for that to work. Yeah. Right. So then you think, well, okay, then you think about state to state, right? They're like, we'll give you all this American money yeah. so that you can rebuild Somalia, quote unquote, right? Or or Thailand or whatever the fuck it is, right? Um, and then those countries are, are held um, as, as debtors to the power that lent them that money. Mm-hmm. And as we've basically explained in this episode and touched on in other episodes the money is backed by force yes so of course the u.s pours money into defense spending because they want to be able to fucking obliterate anybody that challenges their financial hegemony right etc 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 so then you say okay well if that's how states treat each other Mm -hmm. then you say well you know (laughs) then who's beholden to whom in the domestic situation right right who like is the government quote unquote the bureaus of the government and the organs of the of the state um if they're obligated to give money back to businesses in mm-hmm. some sense then like who's in power there yes right and and you have to like really reach into that level of just relational kind of analysis like mm-hmm. networks and stuff and like just look at it sheerly in terms of obligation and ability to enforce mm-hmm. the ability to pay doesn't fucking matter. They yeah. will turn your kids into slaves like that. Yes. Right. Ability to enforce is all that matters. Uh-huh. Right. And that's why we have nukes. That's why we have subs. That's why we have fucking, you know, air, air supremacy and everything, yeah. you know, and satellites and shit. So, yeah. yeah and, then, and then the other thing is like, okay, so they, they buy these bonds and then you just issue new currency yeah. to pay them the bonds. Yeah. Like why, why would they give a shit? Because, 
they have the money. Yep. They want the money so that they can like get stuff for it. Yeah. So if they can still get stuff for it, then who gives a shit exactly. where the money came from? It exactly. doesn't matter. Exactly. And this is also one reason, like, speaking of that, just a quick aside, that's one reason why, like, um, businesses are so often willing to, like, discount this or, mm-hmm. you know, pay more for that. They yeah. just want the shit. Yes. Or the ability to force labor to mobilize. Right. Right. It, that's all they care about. Yeah. You know, um, the price, as long as, as long as they're sort of in control of the price mm-hmm. and they're not budgeting that much, they'll totally fucking do it. You yeah. Know? Um, and you know, I've, I've been in offices where like I overhear like the director of finance saying, pay him next week. Yeah. You know, it, like, they're like, Oh, it's due now. Pay him next week. Like they don't give a fuck. They just yeah. want to like, they'll, they'll pay the overdraft or whatever it is because they're expecting some other money to come in or some other shit like that. Right. Yes. Like they're, they're fine. Yeah. They're it's fine. all about flows. It's all about flows. Yeah. And again, ability to enforce. Yeah. You know? Like if they're in a particular position in in the in the quote unquote market, which is this the web of obligations, mm-hmm. right? Um, then they'll they'll be they'll they'll be happy to delay payment, which is why restaurants and other businesses don't pay their workers so yes. often, right? Yeah. They don't give a fuck about you, right? And they'll try to keep that money if they. And what can. are you going to do if what they are don't? Going to do yeah. exactly, exactly. You don't have a fucking army. Take them to small claims court. Yeah, Most people right. are afraid as yeah, <laughs> as afraid as hell to yeah. do that shit. Yeah, so. Um, so the next one is, is it bad for Warren Mosler to be running a hedge fund and evading taxes? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really think that it is. Uh, I've talked about my views on business being useful to get to the levers of power of the state mm-hmm. and using those levers to help the working class mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. to aid in the construction of a dual power project. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you just have a problem with them running a hedge fund, uh, then say that and give a reason. Mm-hmm. If his hedge fund is helping Cargill starve Venezuelans, then that's bad and we should talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the reason that it's bad. Yeah. But if he's just like taking money from other rich people, like who gives a fuck? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's already right. happening. Yeah. It's not like it's <laughs> happening because of Warren Mosler. <laughs> right, right. It's like the financialized version of um, like a union or even like a fucking yeah. terrorist cell for that matter. Like just like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Not to be all creepy about terrorism, <laughs> but like, yeah. Um, and then, so if we've gotten to the point of even talking about the taxes, if we <laughs> accept like, okay, it's fine that he's running the hedge fund, but it's bad that he's putting his money in a tax shelter or whatever, uh, then if you think about it, accepting the premises of MMT, like if you think about it from his perspective where he is, the, he's the MMT guy. So mm-hmm. he f- he's fully on board with this idea that taxes do not fund spending. Right. The government creates money. It doesn't really matter like how much tax revenue is going in. Mm-hmm. Um, then why would you handicap yourself in pushing your movement forward by voluntarily giving more money to the government <laughs> that can create it freely? And even if you don't accept those premises, then surely you're not dumb enough to think that the government is actually doing anything good with the money it collects. <laughs> like, oh, so Warren Mosler should, like, hand over more of his money so that they can go do another Iraq? Right. Like, what the fuck? The argument that anyone should just pay their taxes because it's the right thing to do is really a lot like, if you think socialism is the answer, then give all your money away. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean... uh, Here's here's kind of how I see, like, just riffing on this Warren Mosler example. Yeah. And what we've talked about before, like, you know, create a leftist business, you know. This is where 
we need to consider that like seizure of the like power of the state from like a you know a marxist leninist position you know um needs to countenance seizing financial power which means that you need to create or take over an existing financial organization yeah um and do that shit um because it's a like the financial industry is like the other side of um, state power from mm-hmm. the military. It's literally like it's it's killing people and then it's making them owe things, basically, yes. right? Yep. Um, so, you know, and so people prefer one thing over the other because they're like, well, I don't want to die. I don't want my people to die. I don't want to get tortured to death, whatever yeah. the fuck. So they'll just be like, I'd rather have debt, right? If you can take over the debt side, right? You know, there's there's. I would f- rather die. I'd rather be killed. Yeah, and my friends die. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't want. Yeah. I don't want that debt. I don't want that debt. Right, right, right. <laughs> but basically, yeah, like it's like if you want to take over, you know, parts of the military. That, that's like the, the that's like the Christian you thing. Might as well take over. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I can't do that. I need to be debt free. <laughs> I need to be afraid. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> raise your hand and start like singing a hymn or something. Um, yeah, it's like if you're if you're serious about taking over the organs of the state, you have to like figure out. I encourage you, my my Leninist and Maoist friends, I encourage you strongly to figure out ways to fucking infiltrate the finance industry. Yeah, and fuck them up, or just business in general. Yeah. Like it's just business in general, right? 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 Because like if like, we want to if we want to bring up Venezuela, again, if they're lying to us. We can lie to them. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. we want to bring up Venezuela, as Henwood did in oh, the yeah. worst possible way, yeah. Um, let's bring up Venezuela. Yeah. So Venezuela's inflation is caused by. Mostly foreign businesses yep, who much. have control of their industry. Yep. And so, like, if we want to do, if we want to take over the state and start doing, like, you know, large government spending projects, uh-huh. you you either have to, like, nationalize all the companies, yeah. which is it's a whole other thing, or yeah. take them over a different way through yep. doing business yourself. Yep, yep. And, I mean... I don't want to rehash the whole thing, but like, you know, in order to get a movement that's capable of taking state power, like you're going to need funding somehow. Right. Are you all going to, is everyone going to do it from their fucking Starbucks, Applebee's wages, <laughs> their, their Amazon warehouse wages. Right. To uh, fund the entire communist revolution. <laughs> like, come on, man. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, no one's, not, not no one's trying to rehash place. illegalism as far as I know. Right. right. You know? Maybe me. I don't know. Libertarians, maybe, maybe, yeah, exactly. Maybe the That's one guy, it. the one guy who, who, um, uh, you know, Robin Hood, like you mentioned, Robin you know? Banks, yeah, Robin Banks, sorry, yeah, yeah, Robin Banks, you know, the guy, yeah, that guy kicks ass, just like, yeah, like, yeah, that's like the one illegalist that I know of who's like contemporary, yeah, us, you know, um, contemporary left illegalist because yeah, there's plenty right, of right, right, those yes. agorist yeah. guys that uh, are like, uh-huh. ah, black markets are actually anti-state. <laughs> like, mm, no, not really, right? But okay, right. <laughs> go ahead and do crimes. That's do, We're not going to fight you do on that. Do, I guess. Well, it, that, Preferably don't do it with Bitcoin because you're toasting right. the earth. <laughs> right. Seriously. <laughs> well, that, that's funny because like that, that difference is, as I understand it, the, that's like the chimera or, or like the fork in, in the historical road um, that, that d- led to the development of like unions on the left and like mafia on the right. Yeah. You know, and like the, and when the unions were just like, crushed or like battered at least yeah and pushed out um and co-opted then like it was the mafia that flourished because mm-hmm. the mafia is is an inherently right-wing fucked up yeah you know dickish Extremely murdery organization violent. exactly yeah. yeah 
Um, there are um, like many death pyramids. There are many states, you know, mm-hmm. just like any business. Um, they just exist in that kind of oh black market. Oh, this is good and yeah. actually, and you're like, oh, no, you're you're murdering and raping people a lot. <laughs> hey, I'm doing agorism yeah, over right. here. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's just, <laughs> agorism is just like soft mafia shit. You know, it's just like hey, individualist Paulie, mafia. You I got know? an investment opportunity for you. You ever heard of Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah. You ever heard of Silk Road? You can. <laughs> You can smuggle your drugs and your hookers <laughs> and carry guns along the way. You know, make a lot of money. You can walk your dogs on the side. <laughs> I think we really need to get on this dark web thing. <laughs> the new Italian dark web. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Joey Bag of Donuts. You know how to get on the fucking dark web? <laughs> yeah. Right. And meanwhile, leftists are like, I'm too pure to accept a raise at like the you know fucking shoe store or whatever like i'm I'm better than that somehow yeah (laughs) or like i just you know i i smoked weed the other day while i was filling out the job application and the cops got me (laughs) you know and you know fuck it um all right so the last question i think no second last question that i have here is are the beliefs of mmt people secretive and sinister uh <laughs> so i mean we we partially answered that in the negative already with that uh article from uh the rookies mm-hmm. um but uh i wrote i i actually like read that part after all uh this whole answer so this is not really going to include that but uh, i said i i think some of their beliefs are vague uh but i think that's also very common in academia yeah. um so i i found a line <laughs> in that rise of money in class society article that I immediately mocked in our group DM, mm. which is, uh, while we do not argue that perfect equality is possible or even desirable in developed industrialized societies, parentheses, for reasons that are beyond the scope of this chapter, in parentheses, <laughs> we do contend that the current state of income inequality could and should be remedied via the use of modern monetary theory for the par- uh, public purpose, blah, 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 blah. So they state a belief, but then they avoid giving any reasoning for it, even mm-hmm. implicitly, and in... Mm-hmm. It's just insist that it's beyond the scope of discussion, but I don't think that your reasoning for not arguing something like that is so beyond the scope of what you're talking about <laughs> that you can't even offer like the merest summary or citation of right. why. Right. Right. Um, but, like that's yeah, exactly that's, what footnotes are for. That's lazy writing, honestly. It, like, you yeah. could do better, like you said. Footnotes. That's you just put it in the f- fucking footnotes. Yeah. Yeah, and then of course there is the phrase "current state of income inequality." which is a simultaneously extremely restrictive and extremely permissive statement. So like income inequality implicitly excludes all other forms of social inequality. And then current state of offers an arbitrary point at which some income inequality is okay, which could be anywhere between no one should make more than 1% above what anyone else makes. And Jeff Bezos makes the median Amazon salary every nine seconds, but he should really only make the median Amazon salary every 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Again, it's all constructed, so just yeah. pick a fucking team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just fucking explain it, man. Like, yeah, all yeah. you have to do is be like, oh, well, I think that some inequality is good because it incentivizes innovation. There's like a million reasons. We've all heard them before, so it's not like we're going to be like, oh, wow, that's a totally insane thing for you to think. It's like, right. just say it so that we can tell you that you're fucking wrong and stupid <laughs> yeah, and explain right, right. why. Commit to being wrong. Yes. Please. <laughs> I beg you. Um, and I have seen quotes around f- supposedly from various MMT people saying that they're opposed to welfare and money for free and shit like that. Mm. I don't know where those quotes are from or 
oh, sorry, I don't know when those quotes are from. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of these people have been working in obscurity for a long time and may have like changed their beliefs recently. Like most people have on the left. Like yeah. I would say the majority of the current left probably was not very left wing prior to 2016. Oh yeah, I know. I was still figuring my shit out. Yeah. You know, I've had perfect opinions forever personally. Well, right. You know, but and, not and, everyone has, and you're going to be involved in the glass pyramid for the rest of eternity. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, congrats. As soon that. as, we as were, soon as I start thinking anything we, reactionary, just yeah, fucking just hose you, bury just, me in sand and yep. then torch it with a flamethrower. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we got him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess like I mean, some of their beliefs are vague. I think that applies to most people. Yeah, a lot of people I mean, will not give you straightforward answers like, on I certain don't know questions, where caterpillars or they come just from. don't even they know. Just come from um, eggs. Egg, uh, that seems rather restrictive. <laughs> what uh, I don't know. <laughs> but they just fall out of butterflies. I mean, my opinion is that everything comes from eggs. So yeah, houses. Yeah, metal. <laughs> Money. Metal. <laughs> Yeah, right. The universe. Yeah, right. All yeah. came out of eggs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 a turtles all the way down guy, but it's turtle eggs. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, tur- turtle eggs are weird. Turtle they're very soft. They? They're like um, oh, okay. They're like um they feel kind of like melted ping pong balls that are like very flexible. Huh. That's the shell. Okay. Like almost like a rubber ball, but like you can like just kind of like flex it a little bit. Yeah. And then like the um like the like the, the yolk or whatever inside is like super liquidy, mm-hmm. um, but like you can you can boil those too, not to like horrify our, our like vegan friends, but like <laughs> please do not boil turtle eggs. Sorry, yeah, 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 don't fuck up the turtle eggs. It's just that like I was a, I was a, I was a tiny child and the locals made some turtle eggs and fed them to me. That's fine. And I was like, oh okay, and I didn't know they were fucking endangered at the time. Some people they were cats, everywhere. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna. <laughs> Tell them they sh- they can't, <laughs> right? Because they can. I can't stop them. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the last question I have: uh, Is it legal for <laughs> the Fed to buy Treasury bonds? Mm-hmm. If not, why not? Um. So I guess I already answered this, which is uh, the Federal Reserve Act specifies that the Federal Reserve may buy and sell Treasury securities only in the open market. Mm-hmm. Um, conducting transactions in the open market rather than directly with the Treasury. Uh, this is sorry. This is a quote from the Federal Reserve itself. Hmm. So they say conducting transactions in the open market rather than directly with the Treasury supports the independence of the central bank in the conduct of monetary policy. So they're basically saying that they don't want to be able to be compelled by the Treasury to buy Treasury bonds, so that the Treasury can spend a bunch of money on whatever ruining mm-hmm. fiscal policy mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. I guess this is still an area that I'm working on understanding so yeah um yeah yeah the the fed is is fucking dumb yeah it's just dumb i mean yeah the fed is basically just like the american bank of england it's like yes they're like oh it's not part of the government we've talked about this before you're like it's a it's a fucking organ in the state it doesn't have to be formally part of the government right like if it looks like a duck and quacks like a fucking duck yeah it's it's the Bank of England with a hat on, you know, like <laughs> with a fucking cowboy hat on, you know, like, come on. It's the Bank of England drinking a milkshake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and that duck is racist, actually, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, very, very <laughs> deeply racist. Uh, so we should take his milkshake and throw it at him. Exactly, Yeah. exactly. 
Full circle. Wow, what folks. a full metaphor we full we have circle. here. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, let's see. Any other thoughts on MMT or the Fed? I think it's very weird the whole the Fed conspiracy theory thing by mm-hmm. libertarians. Mm-hmm. I never really understood that. Well, most of the things they say are not really to be understood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they also have, like, their understanding of economics is thoroughly rooted in neoclassical and Austrian (laughs) theory, which just literally inverts everything, gets every single possible thing wrong. It's amazing, Except Austrians do actually have a correct definition of capital, which is surprising, but that's about it. (laughs) I have been watching a lot of anime this week. Um, I watched the first nine episodes of Demon Slayer Kibetsu no Yaima. Mm-hmm. I think I might be getting that wrong, but, um, uh, yeah, it's like, a. I I think it's supposed to be a shonen anime, but it seems like seinen to me because it's, it's not, hmm. it doesn't have like the usual, like, and it's like goofy, like, weird. yeah, shouty yeah. kind of stuff. There's no, like, uh, it's not very horny at all, <laughs> um, which is like very much a hallmark of shonen anime, I think. Yeah. But it's, it's basically, um, oh, actually this is a really great thing to talk about because mm. I learned some really interesting history re- around this. So it takes place during the, I can't remember what it's called, but it's between the uh, Meiji Restoration and the Showa period, which is when mm-hmm. Hirohito was emperor and they were the Japanese Empire and mm-hmm. doing World War II doing shit. shit. Yeah. Um, so it's basically like 1900, like 1896 to like 1918, I think is this period. Gotcha. Um, or 1927. Um, so I found out. Okay, so first of all, the the show is really good. I highly recommend it. The animation is great. The music is great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a really cool atmosphere. It's basically about... Uh, I mentioned it in the intro, actually. It's about a kid whose family was uh, slain by demons, except mm-hmm. for his sister, mm-hmm. who becomes a demon. And uh, there's a demon slayer in the area who's like right about to kill his sister. Mm. And the guy's... The main character is like begging him not to do it uh-huh. and um he said supply and demand or something <laughs> and uh the sister it turns out is not like other demons okay she does not because like all She's the other demons just demon. like eat people they're basically ghouls <laughs> okay they just okay. eat people okay and so um she does not eat the brother she actually turns around and defends him hmm. from the demon slayer so cool. the demon slayer decides not to My kill gosh, the sister she's legit. okay and mm-hmm. the the brother like almost like kicks his ass. Like, <laughs> like, uh, he, he's running, he's about to run past this tree and he's, he's been throwing rocks at the guy. Cause all mm-hmm. he has is a hatchet and the demon slayer is like this fucking right. swords play expert. Right, right, right. So he's like throwing rocks at him and he goes past this tree. And then, uh, the, the brother's like running towards him and he's got both his hands behind his back. And the demon slayer thinks he's about to like swing his hatchet at him, right? And he just like dodges and like whacks him with the hilt of his sword mm-hmm. and knocks him <laughs> unconscious. And then he barely dodges this. The, his hatchet flies right past his head. He had thrown it at the same time he threw the rock, but he like did it in a hidden way. Uh, so it's like okay. going way up into the air. Uh-huh. And right as he was like about to hit the guy, uh-huh. it's like it was going to nail him in the head. <laughs> but. Uh, he noticed, like, he looked down, he's like, where's that guy's hatchet? And then he's like, oh, oh shit. Fuck. <laughs> so he, like, uh, sends the, the brother to be, like, trained as a demon slayer. And so that's, okay. what, the, that's okay. what the show is. Cool. Very cool. cool. 
Um, so like a fun little adventure. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Um, but I was curious about this this period because I they mentioned the name of it um, in the show, mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh, I wonder what was happening during this period. Um, and there's all kinds of crazy shit. So this is mm. when mm. there's a Japanese anarchist named, oh, yeah. uh, I can't remember his first name, but his last name is Shusui. Mm. And, um, he translated a bunch of Kropotkin's works and oh, yeah. I think some of Marx's works Pretty as well. Guy, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> he was involved in an incident. Uh, he and his partner who is a Japanese feminist, uh, they were both executed because of this incident. They nearly killed uh, then Prince Regent and future Emperor Hirohito. Oh, so they wow. possibly could have prevented like the All Japanese shit. Empire yeah. <laughs> shit from happening. Um, they were not successful, obviously, and uh, they were yeah. executed for that. Yeah, um, the, the Japanese anarchists got fucking just destroyed. Yeah, and, like, and and the communists as well. Yeah, yes, um, yes. because as a result of this incident. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because of an earlier incident, which I, yeah, they were both also involved in, uh, it's called the red flag incident. It was basically, um, some, uh, political dissidents were released from prison mm-hmm. and all of their political comrades were mm-hmm. uh, waiting for them outside the prison. Yep. And so they get out, uh, and they're like cheering and they're waving, uh, red flags mm-hmm. around and they're saying, uh, like revolution, revolution and like. Uh, shit like that. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of them were arrested. And then they created this police force called the TOCO, uh. which is short for the, the really fucking long thing that I don't have written <laughs> down here. And I'm not going to try and pronounce. Yeah. Um, but it's basically a police force meant specifically to crush uh, hostile ideologies to the state. Right, of course. Which basically means communists. Yep. And... Um, after the the high treason incident, which is where they attempted to kill Hirohito, mm-hmm. they created another uh, like a, a a new division for it, which was called the Thought Police, of pejoratively course. by Japanese. Yeah, and uh, it was like specifically made to like infiltrate communist groups, um, mm-hmm. and they they also passed these laws. I can't remember what they're called. It's like the Peace Accords or something like that, mm-hmm. and it basically made. Uh, it was like a blanket law against any dissident ideology. Yeah. It was anything that um, aims to uh, destroy the institution of private property <laughs> or uh, threatens. It's a Japanese term, which basically means like the order of the state. Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. it would be as if like um, as if in the U.S. they said like uh, anything that threatens like. Uh, the American government or something yeah. like that, which that could just mean fucking anything like the Patriot Act or like American politics. Yeah. It was just super vague. So right. they actually, um, <laughs> they investigated something like, like 50,000 people or no, sorry. They arrested 50,000 people, uh-huh. um, tried around 5,000 and around half of those were actually imprisoned. Yeah. And, uh, in prison, they were forced to write essays, uh, for, these officials over and over saying like explaining how they've changed mm-hmm. and how they, mm-hmm. they don't support those ideologies anymore. And they had right. to keep writing them until the officials were satisfied that they were actually yeah. they had the two plus two equals five. Right. Shit. Yeah. Yep. It's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily no, nothing like that has ever happened in the United States no. of America. No. Yeah. It's um, good over here. Yeah. It's good. It's pretty good <laughs> place to live. Yeah. Yeah. 
So pretty interesting stuff, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, um, yeah, I'll have to look into the... The show does seem to have uh, things to say about masculinity. Really? Not necessarily very good things. Well, I mean... Uh, yeah. Dude, like, one line I remember was, like, uh, this this character was telling uh, the the brother to, like, uh, basically stop whining. And if you're a man, then you should suffer in silence until you, like, overcome whatever it is. Oh, right, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Which is like, oh, okay. Mm, I don't mm, know if that's suffering in silence. Really true. I think you can tell people that you're suffering. Yeah. I yeah. think that's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As good communists and anarchists, we have to, you know, be vocal about our suffering. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing about it is, and, and another reason it's not really a shonen anime is because mm-hmm. unlike, you know, 99% of shonen anime, the main character doesn't depend on like having friends to overcome right. the enemy. It's like he, he just trained really, really hard right. and learned these like demon slayer, like forms and techniques and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's his, his power. Okay. Um, okay. but there's also, they don't, they all have that power scaling thing where, mm-hmm. you know, it's like. Oh, uh, like, yeah, I have this, this stage secret power now that you never oh, knew about. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now I have a spirit bomb, and I'm going to get the whole universe's life energy and all that right, kind of shit. Right. Um, and another thing that's cool is, like, uh, the the two main tools that uh, the demon slayers use besides their sword mm-hmm. is their sense of smell and... Um, like breathing techniques, hmm. so it's like almost like like qi, qigong type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, the brother, the main character guy, he's like able to find openings in his opponents hmm. by using this like it's basically magic, but it's like right. he's he smells. There's like this scent trail coming off of him that's like a wire, and then when it becomes taut, that's like when there's an opening. Hmm. So like as soon as this wire sort of goes like, from like his nose to their forehead, <laughs> he slashes and they're like love that. fucking dead. I fucking love that. It's cool. And then uh, he has like this total concentration breathing technique, uh-huh. which is like it basically makes their blood circulate so fast that it, like turns their muscles into uh-huh. overdrive uh-huh. and like gets them a lot of oxygen and shit. Okay, okay. Yeah, like very that's, yeah, that's very Qigong. Very Asian yeah, type very, of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. It's, Pretty cool. It's like. It's like simultaneously like hilarious and kind of like alluring. You're just like, oh yeah, totally yeah. Yeah. Like just breathe until they freak out. Like what? No. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also started watching. I was watching it right before I came over here. I'm like super excited to continue on with it. Mm. I was surprised because I thought it would be like, eh, this is kind of good. Yeah. But I'm like super into it now. It's called Kono Oto Tomare. Um. And it's uh, it's about this club at a. I still don't know if it's a middle school or a high school. I I missed when they said it was, but um, mm-hmm. it's a it's a school club mm-hmm. for uh, a Japanese instrument called the koto. Yep, it's like a traditional Japanese instrument, very big. Mm-hmm. It's actually there's a Chinese instrument that's similar to it called the chingong. Mm. I'm probably saying the tones wrong, but it's basically like this big giant like wooden. Uh, stringed instrument. There's ten strings. Uh, yep. yep. Some of them have seventeen strings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got like movable frets on it. Yep. And you uh, play it with finger picks. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. So I mean, this is kind of spoilers, but basically, it's only the first episode. Uh, so like, um, 
basically like the members that were in the club, all except for the main character, uh, they all graduate. So it's just the main character left in the Koto club. And so he has to find new people to fill up the club so that it doesn't get disbanded. Uh Um, And the first person that tries to join the club is this transfer student who's like a notorious delinquent (laughs) who had this incident with the police Uh the year before where um, like he was living with his grandpa Mm -hmm. and uh, he supposedly uh, smashed up his grandfather's uh, shop Mm -hmm. uh, who um, was also a uh, Koto maker. Mm-hmm. So he made mm-hmm. Koto. So he smashed up the shop. And then a few days later, his grandfather died, um, supposedly because of that. Um, and so he was arrested by the police. And so he now has this reputation for being like a terribly violent person oh, who yeah. like killed his grandfather. Um, so he's the first person that tries to join the Koto club. And the main character's like, like, fuck you. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you planning? Like, you don't want to <laughs> join this club. Like, this club's for fucking nerds. Like, right. Everyone thinks that we're nerds. No one respects us at all. Like, yeah. um, I don't. I don't get why you would want to join this club. So fuck off. Right. right. And um, he finds out. Uh, like he talks to the principal, and the principal's like, "Well, I really hope this club continues because it was actually started by a friend of mine." Okay. And okay. he comes to find out that uh, what actually happened was mm-hmm. um, the delinquent kid was like basically in a gang with these other kids, gotcha. and he's. Uh, started learning Koto from his grandfather. Uh-huh. And so he stopped hanging out with the, the gang kids. Right. And they came and smashed up his grandfather's shop to, like, uh, fuck with him. okay. And his grandfather was just sickly and happened to right, die right. a couple days later. Right, right. And uh, his grandfather was actually the one who started the club, and that's oh, why he wants to join shit. it. Oh, wow, damn. That's, yeah. That's deep. It's very cool. That fucking hits. Yeah. And yeah. then the next episode, we meet... Uh, someone who's like a prodigy, like really, really, really good Koto player. Uh-huh, who, uh-huh. She joins the club. Right. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at now. Nice. That sounds like a fun series to watch. It's really like, good. Not, you know, not like as like, yeah, like as like bloody and shouty and like, it is, horrible. Like and... there are surprisingly like bloody scenes. Oh, really? Yeah. Because they show like the delinquent kids past, which is very violent. Sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so like social stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And there's other delinquents that, that are like trying to fuck with them mm-hmm. and they get into fights and mm-hmm. shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mostly like slice of life sort of thing. Cool. And, um, it seems like, I mean, I, I don't know the themes based off of two episodes, obviously, but it seems like it's going to go really in on, like, uh, personal improvement and, like, mm-hmm. helping one another, like, get past you, like, like realize your weaknesses and work past them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, learning to trust people even if, you know, they seem untrustworthy on the outside or, like, someone that you shouldn't associate with. Right. And, like, learning not to judge people too quickly. Yeah. Seems very wholesome. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's like, really wholesome. Yeah. Cool. And but. some of the music so far is very beautiful. Like, nice. stuff that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. Right. You know? Like, like, traditional Japanese. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. There's another show that um, has some traditional Japanese art that I want to... I have to finish watching it still, but uh, uh-huh. I want to talk about it on a later episode. It's called uh, Showa no Rakugen... Rakugo Tenso or something like that. Okay. And it's... Uh, it's about this, uh, not ancient, but old Japanese theater art called Rakugo. I think it was popular mm-hmm. in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And it's basically 
stand-up comedy before stand-up comedy existed. Huh. Um, so it's just a person um, kneeling on a stage, and they're telling stories and playing different characters all by themselves. They don't really move much. They just, like, mm. um, you know, like, take on different, like, mannerisms right. and ways like of speaking. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and they just tell jokes, and it's about um, this guy who's, like, getting into Rakugo, who's okay. also, like, kind of... I don't know if he's... Uh, I don't remember if he's, like, a delinquent, but I think he's just, like, kind of a, like a slacker, basically. But he turns out to be really good at it. And it's actually very funny. Like, there's obviously going to be a lot of humor that we won't get because it's going to be very cultural, like all mm-hmm. humor is. Mm-hmm. But, like, the Rock and Go performances are, are laugh-out-loud funny. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a fun show to watch. But I, I think I'm only on episode, like, five or six. So. Okay. Is it... Um Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju? Yes, that's okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Man, I've really fucked that title up. <laughs> it's you know it's hard to remember. I don't even know these terms. Yeah, so yeah. like, you know, it's been a while. So Yeah, and it has two seasons, I think. There's like a well, there's like a sequel called like Descending Stories. Oh okay. that. The, the thing yeah. I just pulled up. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. That sounds really interesting and fun. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So cool um cool Asian culture stuff that you won't really see anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Awesome. Uh, uh so I guess that'll about do it for us. Yeah. Uh yeah, good good discussion. Yeah. Um we basically Very snappy. solved the whole the whole capitalism. <laughs> yeah. 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 Congrats. It's everybody. nice having uh, like organized notes and shit yeah. and like uh <laughs> yeah. me not just spending like 40 hours a week gaming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah <right>. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so if you enjoyed that, uh, check out our other episodes. We did one with Shannon Strucci, Strucci mm-hmm. Movies on mm-hmm. YouTube, yep. about parasocial interaction and uh, the top grossing YouTubers. Um, that was a fun one. Yeah, who, uh, yeah, uh, YouTubers are in the news again because of uh, the whole drama with, um, I can't remember, Carlos something from Vox and right. Steven Crowder, who has been. Yep. Uh, homophobically harassing him for years mm-hmm. and uh, has just been demonetized as of today. And so now all of the definitely not Nazi gamers are uh, standing up for free speech once again when it's truly uh, yeah. important. Free speech. You know, they were co- completely ignoring it for the last few months when uh-huh. uh, Chelsea Manning was in prison, but, right. you know... Uh, you know, YouTubers being taken down for being like white nationalists no, and shit. That's super important. Unacceptable. Yeah. Like, like I saw this thread that someone posted that was like, uh, Oh, here's like all these accounts that have been demonetized lately, which of course, like they have no evidence that this is part of the same fucking reaction. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're just like listing things that have happened at the same time. That doesn't mean it's part of this whole thing. Right. But like I clicked on a bunch of them and it's like, people defending saying the n-word like in their like at the top of their timeline and shit like that and it's like like one of them was like literally oh 2013 was great because you know you could say the n-word and people wouldn't get mad at you like oh my fucking god cool that's that's just that's just oh my god that's just like fucking 4chan shit like yeah these people are fucking poisoned yeah i i say this all the time but their politics ultimately come down to uh girls having blue hair not being able to say the n-word yep and uh, why doesn't anyone like me? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're like, well, <laughs> it's a short list. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 
Uh, our website is uh, Post Scarcity. Oh, fuck. Our website is NeighborSciencePodcast.com. I also have PostScarcityMagazine.com. Although, I don't even know if it's up anymore. I haven't checked it in a long ass <laughs> time. Uh, our Twitter is at NeighborSciPod. I'm at Handle of Rye. Chris is at Solidarity underscore Goth. Yep. We never even introed ourselves. That's fine. I'm Ryan. I'm Chris. Yep. Nobody gives a shit. You don't listen to this. Nobody's listening to this. We're just speaking in the dark. We are literally speaking in the dark right yeah. now, but you yeah. Know. Our, my light bulb is burned out. It's great. It's fucking great. It's a great thing about living with roommates. It's like a light bulb goes out and it's like, well, I don't want to change that. Someone else will. It's just like, yeah, fuck it. What do we have? How are we going to split a light bulb three ways? Right, right. I feel if if this is a just world, I would be owed carbon credits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.